Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. So she's like, how do you handle it if your transaction blows up and you don't want to be like the other agent hates you for the rest of your life? Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. Hello, Alyssa. Katie here. Hello. How are you today? Just fine. Lovely. We are on episode 70. That's just crazy. And it was so 70. We were like, it's about time for another Q&A. Yes, we have a lot of questions that just trickle in. Yes. Some we dedicate whole episodes to, but True. we just have a good list of questions mm-hmm. from people. So, And um, here are my disclaimers on this episode. As per usual, there is no particular order of these questions. <laughs> um, we are going to tackle them as quickly as we can because there are a lot and they could get a little bit more in depth. And we're going to try to remember to point you to the appropriate episode if there's more information on that topic somewhere where we've already recorded. What we're learning is that we get new listeners all the time. Yes. And they haven't listened to every single one of the 70 episodes. <laughs> That's okay. That would take a lot of time. And um, so we'll just point them back because, you know, sometimes people don't listen to an episode that they really do have a question within. Sure. So that's where we're at. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. I hope that you're ready for me to put you on the spot because I don't know that I've given you all of the questions preemptively. Yeah. I don't know all of them. Okay. Coming in first from our friend Rochelle. I do not know what state she is in. So (laughs) Rochelle from somewhere. Um, asked, what is the difference in our volumes? She could tell that we were obviously selling a different amount of real estate. And we've covered it a little. Yeah. So tell us what your volume-ish is. So I sell about 90 houses a year. Yeah, that's a lot. This is Katie. I have zero desire to do 90 (laughs) transactions. Last year, I did 30. Um, So I usually hover in the $9 million volume range. Yeah. I'm usually between like 20 and 24 million. Okay. So, but I I will say for our market, you are still, Oh, I'm stuck in the top three to 4%. So yes, when we say top producers, it's just that you're like an ultra top producer (laughs) and I am a, you know, top 5% top producer. It's fine. I mean, like I am happy with my production and have gotten even more happy there in the last year since being on the podcast, because I'm like, this is this That's is where fine. you want to be. I don't I don't want to do ninety transactions now. Your volume is just a little bit over double mine, even though you're doing three times the transactions. So I guess the the thought here is maybe I'm just in a slightly higher price point a little bit more often. Yeah, and it that comes with because you've been time. In the business it just how takes long? time. Fifteen years. Okay, so you're like six years ahead of me, right? So I don't get as many first time buyers anymore, and then I get these move ups that were yeah. my first time buyers, and I'm so, very first time buyer heavy still. Yeah. So I think that you in time will also shift, and 
be higher volume and maybe you don't even need to do all 90 of those transactions. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I feel like we're at different phases of life. Totally. And I'm we're different in that like this is all I do even Yeah. Like you're enjoying your course. Yes. And yeah, and the podcast. And the podcast. Yeah. Like I well I mean it right. I I was ready to add things. Yeah. To like my focus isn't growing my real estate business. It's maintaining it. Sure. Like I like where it's at. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I've done interviews of agents for the course and for the other things that I do. 24 transactions a year is a is a typical across the board, different states, different agents, different amounts of time in the business. That seemed to be the goal. Okay. Like everyone really would like, and that's two a month. Yeah, that's like perfect. anyone can handle two a month. Yeah. Everyone would be doing pretty good income wise, depending on your market average, right? Right. Um, for 24 a month, like a year. That's great. And depending on what price point you're in, if you're in California, great. You get <laughs> yeah. to do what, eight? Right. Eight houses a year. You're be good. Like, Whoa, I'm good. One <laughs> yeah. a month. I'm really solid. So um, that's the difference in our volume. I think you need to make sure that your volume matches your lifestyle. Correct. It matches what you need financially. Yeah. And what people need from you. I mean, like yeah. I'm a mom. I've got little kids at home. Right. So do you. You're about to have two. So you, I know. <laughs> this may be the last year of 90s. <laughs> right. We'll see. Okay, you good on that? Yep. All right. Next from Alexis in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. We know we we'll, I still need to learn. Is it Wisconsinite? Was Wisconsinian? Yeah. yeah, what do they call that? Wisconsinite? Maybe. We get a lot of ladies from Wisconsin. Oh. I want to know how to appropriately address them. Yeah. Okay. Alexis asked, what is your creative marketing ideas for a new agent that does not have repeat or referral business yet? To like market themselves? Mm-hmm. I think it's all about at that point, putting your face in front of people. Yep. I don't think that there's anything you can, I don't think ads no. or like mass marketing works <sighs> no. in those situations. No. I think in those situations, it's about personal connections, uh-huh. volunteering. Uh-huh. Um, being a part of volunteer groups or church groups or yeah, get in know, front of people yeah that are not realtors. They just you need people to see you and like you. Yeah, a lot, and they will use you. And I think my second part of that would be uh, and make sure that you're sharing said real estate activities on social media. So you can go back, Alexis, to what to do when you're new or slow. Yeah, that's episode 17. I think that helps. And we suck at marketing. Yeah. Or advertising. (laughs) I think that's what we said. Uh, Advertising or not. Yeah. Episode 44. And the database, because if you're new, you'd be surprised. You can get referrals from people who've never used you as their realtor. Right. And who know that you're new at the business. So Um, episode number 39 was love your people. I think that's good. And so it just talks about like how to get people to think of you. Yeah. When they think of real estate. uh The episode um, Zillow and the D word is really about people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The power of people. I think that one is. Yes. Okay. That one's good too. Uh, So yeah, focus on people, meeting people, volunteering. You know, you can do all the stuff like open don't house and that money. No, you don't need to. Yeah. It's all about face to face at that point. Go forth. Meet the people. Okay. Next up. Nikki in Chicago says, how do you determine your goals for the upcoming year? 
I have always found this to be kind of tricky and I always get annoyed when <laughs> people are like, just pick an income number and you can do it. Like all the rah-rah motivation stuff. That's I'm like, not you. It's not me. And it's also not always realistic. And I feel like it can set you up for failure. You have issues setting a goal that you will not meet. I just think that you like there are people out there that will sell you on the idea that you can pick your number and you will reach it. And mm-hmm. like you will, the sky is the limit. Yes. I'm very much like a realistic person. You're like, no, the limit so, is the limit. You're like, the limit is the limit. <laughs> I just think that you have to evaluate what you did the year prior. Yes. Um, If you're brand new and you don't have a year prior, I think you have to evaluate your market. Yeah. And ask your broker. Yeah. What, what to expect. What's average. I will tell you this. The average agent in the United States does 11 or 12 transactions per year. Okay. If you're brand new and you've never done any, I think 12 is an amazing goal. Yeah. I want to do one a month for the first year, which probably the first six months means zero. And the last six months means two a a month. Um, I think that the episode on goal setting from the end of last year Mm -hmm. is amazing because we really talk it through. And I love to set goals, a big fan um, of that. And I determine mine by looking at last year. Sometimes it goes up. Sometimes it stays the same. Sometimes yeah. it may even go down where I'm like, I'm not doing that type of advertising anymore. Or I was happy with my income. So I'm in a different phase in that it's not just about growth in that way. Sure. I don't need more transactions. If my actual price points have grown, Right, then I can get the same income level or even more with less transactions. Yeah. Um, And make sure your goals are including things like, I want to go run two miles or drink a gallon of water a day. There's goals outside mm -hmm. of It's not all money and numbers. I totally agree with that. I determine them based on how I want my life to be that next year. Mm -hmm. So what do I want my lifestyle to be like? Do I want to be home with the kids at 3 p.m. when they're out of school? Yeah. Well, then I can't also increase by 10 more transactions. Sure. So you just have to take it all into account. So the goal setting um, episode that we did was mm-hmm. number 18. 18. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's a good one. And that then I have that. Listened to a mm-hmm. lot. Oh, yeah. And I have that five-day goal setting challenge that comes out of that. Oh, yeah. It was okay. so good. So mm-hmm. that's in my Facebook group, which I might actually be getting rid of, but I will have the challenge available to people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next up. Are you ready? Yeah. Monica in Sutton, West Virginia. Monica says... How do you respond when someone wants to negotiate commission? And we have to remember here that we can't talk about numbers because that is like a anti-trade law, yeah, something like we'll that. To, like you can't say a like commission number about talking about. It's very serious, and like it's price, price fixing, fixing and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you have to be willing to stick to your worth. Yeah. And be willing to walk away. Yeah. I also think delivering it ahead of time in the pre-listening email. Oh. So we're going to release some like edits. So you've added your commission in there. I added the net. Count the net. The seller net. Yeah. The seller net in there also. I had it and it's in another one of the emails. But yeah, I kind of liked when I'm sending them all the info they need. Just saying, here's what to prepare for financially. Right. And it has the percentage on there. Yeah. Have you have you lost any listings because you sent the numbers and they were like, no, thank you? No. Okay. So it's working. Yeah. I and like I just it. feel like 
it's not really being questioned too ter- in the beginning i feel like maybe it was but it's funny because it's almost like the consumer can sense if you're confident in your price right so if you're not confident in it and you open the door for them to be like this is negotiable then they'll negotiate or they'll try you but mm-hmm. if you're super as you get further along in the business and you get more confident you're just like this is the price because this is actually how much work i'm going to do yeah. like you have full faith in your value. And I think it's, I always like in an interview situation or anytime I'm meeting with the seller, try to tell it to them before mm-hmm. they have to ask. Yeah. Oh, for sure. They don't ask. Yeah. They, it's awkward. People are awkward talking about money. Yeah. This job has made me very comfortable with talking about right. money. You have to. <laughs> you just have to be you up have front. To. Yeah. yeah. And make sure they understand. I think that makes sense though. So I guess, Yes, I have had clients in an interview want to negotiate my commission for sure. I have learned through experience, typically those are clients that were not referred or your repeat business. Right. And they don't have a personal relationship with you or Mm -hmm. they don't have, because they're not, people who are referred to you trust in your value because someone told them to use you. Right. Your repeat clients know your value because they've already used you. Repeat and referrals the easiest. It's so easy. So when you go to a listing interview with someone who doesn't know you, you got them off an open house, a postcard or whatever, they are more likely to try and negotiate your commission and be like, well, I, I interviewed another agent who said they'll do a discount, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I think I love what you say to people about not, like if they don't want to do the work or mm-hmm. if they don't, I, I understand if you need to interview other agents, but this is what my fee is, Yeah, is all you have to say. Mm-hmm. I know, And you can follow it up with, here are the things I'm going to do for your listing. I mean, in my listing folder, there are literally a checklist of things that I'm going to do in your listing. Right. So just tell them what you're going to do for the money and then leave it at that. Sure. And be like, I understand if that doesn't work for you and you need to interview someone else, uh, but that's what it is. I like when I get to say that. It feels good. Like, I understand so, if you need to go elsewhere. That's just, fine. Yeah. This is my deal. Right. Like, you, you're not going to bully me. <laughs> and I can hear, like, people on the other end of this, because our one-way conversation with ourselves, saying, oh, well, I don't do 90 transactions a year. I can't afford to turn one down. But I'm going to tell you right now, the people who want to discount your commission are the ones that will work you to the bone. Yes. They will waste all your time. They'll keep you working from working with the next two good clients who mm-hmm. want to pay mm-hmm. because you're so focused on working for this mean client who wanted to take your money and didn't see your value anyway. It's kind of like when one of my houses comes up for lease, like one of my rent houses, and I think someone's going to be really good. And then they ask for a discount on rent. You're and like, I'm like, oh. you haven't even signed anything yet. Yeah, and like, you're asking no. me, this makes me think you're not going to be a good tenant. Or can you even period. pay? Right, right. Like, I don't, okay. I agree with all that. All right, so hopefully that answered Nikki's question. All right, no, that was Monica. Hello, friends. We are so excited that so many of you are using the template course and the reviews are just pouring in, letting us know that it has helped your business as much as it has helped our business. Yes, listen to this review. Thank you so much for providing this wealth of information, knowledge, and template form. So far, I've used a handful and received positive feedback like, this is so professional, or I really appreciate how organized you are. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, Your clients are actually going to say that. Yes. All right, here's another one. 
Thank you so much for this. I can't tell you how many times I've started this and how many notebooks of samples and notes I had. <laughs> I have ADHD and it is super hard to stay focused on getting it done. Having it all in one place is gonna make it so nice. That is what we're here for. No, just look, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just yeah. use these. Yeah, nice and simple, easy, ready to go, ready for you to put your own logo on, make it sound like you. So head over to hustlehumblypodcast.com slash course slash course and check it out that's right and you're gonna enjoy them you're gonna love them you're gonna, it's gonna it. change your life literally fired <laughs> my assistant they are the best okay, enjoy the template yes enjoy okay who's next brooke i don't know where brooke is okay okay brooke would like tips for new agents during covid that are struggling with getting leads or clients this sort of is the same as what alexis needed to know what do you think is different? We have COVID episodes. Yeah. I don't know that we talked about it in relation to actual leads, but we talked about in still keeping your business going. Well, I think leads, like internet leads and stuff like that, may be harder during COVID because we're implementing more boundaries. Yes. And, you know, we're not a huge mm -hmm. fan of the Pop-Tart agent jump up and go, but especially during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I think during COVID, it's really a time to evaluate where your leads are coming from. Right. Where do they come from? And maybe this isn't where they need to be coming from at this time, especially yeah. if you're noticing you're having trouble turning them over because yep, right. you can't work them how you would normally. Yeah. Like maybe it's a time to explore other avenues. I think that's fine. And I think that if we're looking at it in the in the scope of COVID, mm -hmm. then it really brings to the forefront your social media presence. Yes. How are you like interacting with your sphere online? How are you interacting with other businesses, restaurants, shops? Like, are you sharing local people's posts? Do you mm -hmm. tag your city? Are you doing things that might keep you in the front of people's minds? For real estate since and, you're not doing in-person stuff. Yeah. And doing little ads that say that you do virtual listing consultations mm -hmm. or virtual buyer yeah. consultations. Yeah. Um, just to let people know that you're still here. And also, you know, we always tell new people to get in front of people. But if it's during COVID, like, for example, um, I noticed like my parents' church was doing a Zoom coffee before the oh. virtual church service. Okay, right. And they were kind of like an older group. Mm -hmm. And I decided to log in one day and I could tell everybody felt a little awkward. Like Zoom is not really their thing, right. but everybody's kind of trying. Right. But I didn't really feel awkward. And I, I just like asked people different questions and you could tell everybody just felt relieved right. that someone was here to, to do like moderate yeah you were like, moderating right Zoom. but like find things That's so that, funny yeah like find like join people are always looking for someone to be excited mm -hmm. about whether it's like their nonprofit yep. or whatever it is but you could be that person yeah and I then your face good. is in front of all the people yes get your face in front of the people mm -hmm. even just go revamp the way you share on your social media and stop posting houses and start posting your face yeah it, but you can go listen to the episode with chelsea peterson i believe it is 12 maybe you, you can tell me if i'm right so episode 38 is how to get business okay i like it that's a really good one um yeah, I'll have to find that. That's fine. No worries. Okay. While we're on this, I, I'm going to jump down to on the bottom of my list. I had Dana from Mississippi asked, 
what are the best ideas for daily lead gen? Since we're on lead gen, yeah. how we would stay here um, and talk about, first of all, you know, my pet peeve is fully around the terminology lead. Yeah. The, the, uh, the focus on lead generation. Right. All of that makes my skin crawl. Right. Um, and not because I don't believe you that? need leads. I'm going to tell you why. Because I think that it's just like what we have discussed on so many shows. The focus does not need to be bringing on new warm bodies. The focus needs to be on you deepening your relationships with the people that you currently know. Right. Especially if you have past clients, especially if you have someone who's referred you business before. But if you don't have those kinds of people, deepening your relationships with people who maybe are on the fringe, like your acquaintances or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not talking about getting a deeper relationship with your mom. Like your mom is likely going to use you as their realtor, I hope. Um, But, you know, if you've been volunteering at school or you have, you know, your kids have friends, parents that you've you've met just still, you know, doing play dates or whatever, deepen those relationships. Go to that social media. And you feel like lead generation, the term, turns it into more of like a numbers. Yeah, I'm just trying to use you. People are numbers. I'm using you. That's why I'm reaching out. I don't really care. I don't want to offer you value. I want you to come and buy a house with me because Mm -hmm. I need to check that box and fill up my pipeline. And, uh, you know, we prefer like follow up. Yeah. Working your database, yeah. managing I'm all your for relationships. The word. I like prospect. Okay. I'm okay with prospect in that no one ever says I need to prospect generate. It's just, <laughs> that's just semantics. Just no one uses that term. And I would like to give you permission that lead generation, follow up, whatever, whatever you want to call it, is not a daily thing. It, I, no, I think anybody who mm-hmm. says that they do it every single day is a liar. And <laughs> even and if true. they're doing it, are they cold calling fifty people who they uh, never every met every day? Though I bet there are some people daily? that are. Yeah, girl, I bet some people are. It's like the thirty-two touch nonsense. Well, that's how they got the people in there to touch. Uh, no, <laughs> I think that finding business and loving your people are the same thing. Yes. And that's what we're trying to get across in the show. And what we're also trying to get across is the minute you have a lead prospect, client, whatever you want to call them, that you're providing such excellent service and doing all of the right things that they can't help but refer you, give you a good testimonial, do these things that lead to you getting more business. Right. But I think the problem with, and especially when people are asking about daily lead gen, um, it's that it's such a long game. Right. And I I know that you want to feel like you're doing, I'm doing my air quotes, doing something every day. You can do something every day, but maybe it's a social media post. Sure. And and I know that feels like not enough. Or commenting on someone's photo. That's you popping oh into gosh. their life. Go engage with the people. Engage with the people that Send is... them a text message. Yeah. Send them a birthday card. Do some, yes, I do think you can do something every day. Mm-hmm. So maybe those are my best ideas for daily lead gen. <laughs> yeah. Send a thank you note. Send a birthday card. Send a text message. It, you know, commit to doing five, comment, like, you know, post every day. Five comments, five likes, you know, five posts a week or whatever well, we're it is. we're in the holidays right now. And episode 15 is dedicated to how to follow up with your database during the holidays. I love that. Um, that'll give you some good ideas. Um And then episode nine is just database in general, how to follow up with people. We just released a newer episode on follow up as well. 
I think those three episodes would be the way to go get some fresh ideas and to remember it's about relationships. But give yourself permission, y'all. You do not need to be making like 20 phone calls a day. If people people who set goals like that, it will only lead to disappointment because it's not it's not that's getting 20 no right getting 19 no's a day. That sounds horrible. Yeah, and you can't do it. It's going to be a burnout thing. Yeah, yeah. You might hit the ground super hot. Happy mm-hmm. about that, but so mm-hmm. give yourself a little bit of grace. Yeah, to I think there are other avenues. Right, agree. Try something new and maybe think about it as a weekly thing, yeah. not a yeah. not a daily thing for sure. Okay, um, next up is my my sister. Okay, <laughs> my sister Amanda said, um, "What is the most number of times you've worked with the same client?" Oh my gosh, do you know? Are you gonna have to count? Get your fingers out. And was it an investor? Is my follow up to that. Okay. You got it? Yeah. Tell me. So I have an investor Mm -hmm. that I think we have closed nine transactions. Okay. Two of those were his personal home. Okay. And the rest were investment properties. Right. And then I have a lady that I've worked with for years and her husband moves around a lot for work. Uh So they would like sell their house and move and then come back and and then they come back again and then they come back (laughs) and then they leave and then blah, blah. And I think she's up at like six or seven. Okay. So. All right. So I have what popped immediately into my head is I have a family. So mom, I sold her a house. That's one. Um, Then later on, she moved out of that house, so I sold it for her and she bought something new. So that's three on her. Then her son bought a house. Then her other son bought a house. Then one of those has now sold the house. And then she is actually about to sell her current. So it'll be my seventh time with her. Now her sons technically aren't her, but there she's around. Like I would yeah. see her during the transaction. Yeah, I think my investor guy, I'm approaching 10 with yeah, them. That's so fun. But Okay, I love it. That is that's a fun one. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question also from my sissy. Okay, uh, she says, "Do you block off time for Thanksgiving? Like in your schedule? Like, do you block off time?" Sure. <laughs> Alyssa just says yes. Um, like on Thanksgiving, I don't work. Like for the holiday. Okay, well, Thanksgiving, New Year's, Christmas on a on a major holiday. Now I think we you had two th- questions about this. Oh, what did, did Rachel? We? Oh no, she. Rachel Hart. Oh, well, she was said elaborate on boundary setting while you're out of town. Let's so let's, let's do boundary setting while out of town and on the holidays. Okay. So Rachel, let's hear what we want to say about this. I feel like major holidays like Christmas, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, Easter is like the only day that you're given permission yeah. to put your phone on airplane mode and not check it at all. Yeah, like I'm just not available. All day. And yeah. if people email you or call you or text you, they're not wondering like why. Yeah. They just know. Yes. And very rarely do they do those things. Yeah. But if they do, but you know what? You can do that any day. I keep my phone on airplane mode most of the day on those days. Yeah. Just to have it away, avoid Mm -hmm. temptation. It goes straight to voicemail if Mm -hmm. someone calls. I like it. Um, I don't see the tech. Because the thing is, is if you're looking at it, you're going to right respond and yeah the only issue i have that makes sense because i want to use the camera on my phone on those airplane mode will let you there you go maybe i'll try that this year yeah i like it so yeah i don't like if it's a one of those major days i don't even you're not available no not available okay and on those major days i don't even like 
put an away message. It's like, it's like, it's Christmas. You right. know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm you doing. Know, I don't need to tell you, but if I'm out of town, mm-hmm. I change my voicemail. Yeah. And I do have like an auto text. Okay. What if, does your voicemail change to? I'm out of town. Or? It just says I am unavailable until, or it might say I'm out of town. Yeah. Um, I'm out of town until Wednesday morning, but I am checking voicemails okay. and emails. Mm-hmm. Please send me an email to a Jenkins at blah de blah. Right. Um, I try to direct them to my email. Yeah. Okay. But I want them to know what day they can expect okay. a callback. Um, I I have thoughts on this, the boundary setting while you're out of town. I do not go out of town as often as you do, but I also do not have as many as many clients as you do. So it's an interesting um juxtaposition. But I contact all of my current clients before I go out of town, not like two weeks in advance, like I don't need them, but like two or three days, Mm -hmm. I'll be like, hey, I will be gone for three days coming up. I'll be gone this day, this day. Here's my, and this is what really I like. I will say, if you need to reach me, I will be checking email once a day. Yes. I have no problem checking my email once a day. I don't care what kind of vacation I'm on. Yeah, it's fine. I will check my email once a day. If you have an emergency, here is my broker's cell phone number. Wow. Because you know why? They are not going to call your broker. <laughs> and I also have my broker's permission like to do that. Because I work in small in a small office now and before where my broker, I'd be like, hey, I'm leaving town. I'm going to just give them your number. And they would be like, yeah, okay, fine. No problem. But it also kind of makes them put into perspective. It's three days or five yeah. days or seven days. And you're not having an emergency. Right. You didn't need me. You don't need my broker. Mm-hmm. You're going to be fine. Send me the email. We'll deal with whatever it is. I have not had any issues with this method. I don't find that people are like mm. hunting me down. Yeah. So I, I don't think tell anybody I'm leaving. Unless I, I know. it's something coming up that I need to prepare yeah. for. Because what... I do I do travel frequently, mm-hmm. but it's very rare that the same person needs something every time I'm gone. Right. So the majority of the time, they don't even know I'm gone. They don't know you're gone. They don't know at all. Yeah, I think there's you can go either way. I get you know an agent or two from my office to be on standby mm-hmm. in case I need something. Yeah, I like it. Okay, ready for another one? Yeah. Okay, Amanda in Brentwood, Tennessee says... Do you set a certain percentage of money aside from each closing to cover gifts? And I would assume we also mean like we got to set some aside for like business budget, taxes, that kind of stuff. Sure. You set money aside specifically for the client take care of emergency. Yeah. Whatever fun. Sure. You have a number? Um, Not really. Percentage wise? Yeah, no. I would say it's low. It's like between... Maybe five and eight percent per transaction. Um, and then I have twenty-eight percent of all of my checks put into a savings account for taxes. Yeah. I don't see it, I don't touch it. It's there when it comes time to pay my taxes, and it's usually more than what I needed. Right. So I kind of feel like I get a little bonus. Okay, that's nice. Like I pay my taxes and then I get to keep the rest. Yeah, I like that. Um, we are just for an FYI going to interview a CPA soon. Yeah. So we'll get deeper into budgets. It'll be and, in the, after the new year. Yeah. We have some, we'll have some tax tips for you. Yeah. So we're going to just say that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't set aside a certain percentage for client gifts or anything, but I'm also very, um, I don't think you need a big expensive gift. No. Like I Mm-mm. give my $20 return address stamp to most people. Yeah. And, um, if, 
Lately, I've been doing like, you know, a 40 or $50 hand-drawn picture if they're selling their house yeah. and they were emotional about it. Um, it. It just doesn't have to be expensive. Sure. So I think no, no problems there. Okay. That's that one. Ready for another? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's interesting. This one was from Katie. Katie, I don't know. She's on the East Coast somewhere. She asked... How do you handle it when a transaction blows up? And she was coming yeah. she was coming at it from this. It was her buyer who it didn't work out. They couldn't get their loan. It was really the lender's fault, but she was trying to save face and save her reputation with the other agent. So she's like, "How do you handle it if your transaction blows up and you don't want to be yeah. like the other agent hates you for the rest of your life?" I feel like honesty is always the best policy. I agree. And the way that you conduct yourself from the beginning of the transaction, yeah, they will understand like she was so great in the beginning. She had right. it all together. She submitted the offer appropriately. The purchase agreement was written, written well. It came with a pre-approval letter. Mm-hmm. That And when there is a problem that you handle it like, hey, I just want to let you know this is happening. Right. And I think too many people try to Hide, hide it, hide it yeah. in hope of a solution. Yeah. But I, I like to tell people, look, this may work out. I don't know. Yep. I want you to know what I know right now. Yeah. And you can decide what you want to tell your client. Yeah. But this is where I'm at and this is what's happening. And then if it doesn't work out, like I think. I also think even if it's bad news. Quickly. Yes. Yes. They need to know. Early on. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't wait it out. Give them even. Yeah. Even if there's a flicker of bad news yeah just be like hey i don't want you to panic your seller sure but this is what's going on yes or if they're packing it up today maybe it's hang on just a day or two right yeah i know it i think that's now someone asked about something else related to this okay let's see um okay oh yes kendall in iowa mm-hmm. said how do you handle delays during closing so i just had a transaction with an agent that. Um, the I had the buyers and the buyers actually came to me from a lender. So okay. I thought, well, they've got to be pre-approved, pre-approved, you know. Oh gosh, no. And they were, but things came back from underwriting and mm-hmm. I wasn't privy to all of the information, but I will say it it ended up being a 60-day extension mm-hmm. when it was all said and done. Mm-hmm. It didn't start off as it started off as a 3-week extension and then two <gasps> more weeks and then two more weeks oh and then Oh my gosh. At the end of it it was 60 days extension. Whoa. I understood the other agent's frustration. Yep. For sure. Mm-hmm. But I also felt like she was not like really open to the updates. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, as long as you're te- you're updating me, yeah. even if the update is, hey guys, I don't really have an update today. Yeah. I'm We're still in underwriting or we're still, mm-hmm. this transaction went so badly, oh, but I truly appreciate the lender. Yeah. She updated us. As I mean, pretty much daily for 60 days. Wow. Was honest the whole time. Yeah. Said at the end of each update, I just want to let y'all know at this time, I still don't see anything that would prevent us from closing. Right. If you can give me the time, I can get it closed. She never once said, maybe it won't work out. Maybe it won't work out. Okay. Um, And I asked that, you know, and she said, I truly 
just need the time. It's yeah. just something that came up that that this is what we have to do if if they're willing to wait. Yeah. And um to me, that's all I needed. Right. The other agent wasn't happy with that. She was like, this is BS. She's been saying the same thing for 60 days. I'm like, because that's the update. Right. That, you know, like what else do you, she can't make up stuff that's not true. Right. So I think the important thing is when there are delays is getting to the bottom of, are we delaying for nothing? Right. Do you see something that would prohibit us yeah, from closing? I think you do need to, and you learn it with time and experience, you do need to know when it's time to just cut your losses. Yes. Like if you're on the listing side, there is a point by which more extensions are not going to help. Right. But I mean, like in your case, sometimes it takes an extra 60 days yeah. and you can wait, but you don't have to. Sure. So I guess the way the best way to handle them would be make sure everyone knows what's going on. Get as many updates as possible and just try to keep your client, I guess, relaxed. And we did get a little bit creative. For example, when I had to go back for like the fourth extension, um, I said, would it make your client feel better to sign if we allowed you to change the status to contingent right? instead of pending? Yeah. So that way other people Could can go, see, go it. see it. And if you get another offer, then right. we're kind of out because yeah. we can't remove our financing contingency. Yeah. Well, that wasn't bad. You know, there's there's creative things you could do if it's like really delayed. Yeah. I, well, I've also given like monetary. Yeah. Like, hey, we'll pay you an extra $2,000. You're paying an extra mortgage or right. whatever. Right. We'll, we'll pay. Yeah. But you need to tell your buyer that they the sellers are not required to give an extension. No. So you better sweeten the deal if they're getting upset. Like, they yes. could just be like, never mind. Right. And then all of that was for nothing. Okay. Good. Communication is key. Always. Okay. Um, next up, same still from Kindle. How do you handle people in your sphere going FSBO or asking for a discount, which we've already Mm -hmm. done? I don't want to shame them. I don't want them to feel like they can't tell me the truth. Mm -hmm. And I don't want them to feel like I'm not their friend anymore. Right. Like I'm fortunate to be at a place in my business where it may still kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, but yeah. also where I understand that everybody's needs are, y- you cannot take it personal. No. You never know what's going yeah. on. And um, now if they ask me to like share it or do this or that, I'm like, you know, I really save those things for my clients. Yeah. I I do protect my boundaries. I think I've shared the story about the new agent that was like, my neighbors are for sale by owner and <laughs> I really want to help them. Can, what can I do to help them? And I said, you shouldn't. Like they have by this, they're saying we don't want your help. Yeah. That's what for sale by owner means. Yeah. Um, And trying to do all the work for them for free is, you know, you, you need to be careful that right. they're not also asking you to work for them. Yeah when they're not using you. Yeah. And, and I think it's okay to even blame it on your license and yeah. just say, as a licensed realtor, I only do those things for my clients. Yeah. You know? I think that's fine. Yeah. Keep your, I think mm-hmm. it's important to keep your boundaries and to keep yeah. your standards in place when um, that happens. I do also usually, I mean, if you know someone personally, like in your tight sphere that decides to for sale by owner, they don't always work out. So I'm also not going to burn a bridge. I'm not going to give you the playbook. I'm not going to get, but if you need a small piece of advice, 
I will judge it depending on what the situation is. It's all different. Like if I know that there's no way they're going to sell that thing for sale by owner, if they priced it wrong, if they didn't get it ready, whatever it is, and it might come down the pipe where they need me, I still want to look valuable. So I'm not giving away the farm, but yeah. maybe I'll give you a, a little tidbit or like, yeah. a, you know, if you need, if you need a form, sure. you know, here, take the form. Good luck filling it out. Yeah. You know, like I'm not going to fill it out for you, but I'll hand you a form. Right. Um, it, It's... And it's hard. Like, I know it's a hard line to walk. I even had someone in my sphere who they were they were asking me questions for a relative in a different market. So it wasn't even that they had rejected me. But then they were like, um, can you review this contract or can you send me your... And I'm like, well, no. Right. And that's liability. Like, I I'm mean, happy to refer you to an agent in your market. But if you're for sale by owner, mm -hmm. I cannot be doing that type of stuff. Sure. So, okay. All right. I like it. Uh, next up, we have Patty in Fort Lauderdale who says, <laughs> I love this one. How do you talk to leads without scaring them off? <laughs> <laughs> I like this one so much oh, because yes. I feel like, like just us here. Yeah. We're we're not scary. No. And we're not scripty. No. And we're not fancy. No. And you know, I think we've talked about it a couple times before, but I try not to use scary words like Oh yeah. Have you been pre-approved with a lender? Like I try to be like no problem. Have you talked to anybody about your budget yet to go over I like that? No. Yeah. So I always try to call it like the budget meeting and refer to it as the budget instead of the pre-approval. Yes. And yes. Have you spoken to anyone about right. the financial side of your budget? Because that lets you know if they've talked to a lender. Right. I just keep it casual mm -hmm. and approachable. Yeah. And I think that reads through because when you don't mind if it takes them six months or two years to buy or sell, mm -hmm. they I can sense that. Right. So when I give you advice and I'm like, hey, no big deal if you're not ready right now. If you're ready in three months or 10 months or whatever, just let me know because I'm not going to harass you. Right. Um, you're going to have to like come back to me and say, hey, I'm ready now or else I'm going to put a note on my calendar, check in in six months or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that the easiest way to not scare people off is to find out what they're worried about. Yeah. And then answer those questions or objections and always give them the out of, you don't have to do this right now. Sure. You don't want to buy a house right now? That's okay. Fine. You don't want to sell your house right now? Fine. A lot of times they have to. So you giving them that permission to not and them knowing they need to is like, okay, well, she's not pressuring me in any way. Right. Like I think clients only get scared off if they feel like you're pressuring them. I try like open houses and sign calls. I'm also trying to like keep them on the phone. Yes. So I ask questions like, do you live in this area? Oh, awesome. Are you renting that house? Right. Or do you own? How long have you owned it? Or what is your lease situation? Yeah. What do you feel like your time frame is? Like I just try to ask follow-up questions. Well, yeah. If you can delay giving them the – on a sign call for sure. If you can delay giving them the information they called for while – hold on. I'm going to pull that up for you and then fill in with all those questions yes. you just listed. Um, you'll take down their walls before you get to the three-bedroom, two-bath, $150,000. Yeah. And then yeah. they're like, click. Yeah. Like I don't need – I don't need you anymore. Right. Um, I, yeah. Because it they really – Typically, there's only it only takes one or two questions before they're like going to tell you their life story. Yeah, it does not take that much. They're scared when you first answer. Yeah, or like if they're coming to an open house, they're like on the defensive, like yeah. don't talk to me. But then 
after they realize that you're just like a normal person, it's fine. I, so right. especially on the keeping phone. it casual, yeah. But you still do have to ask the right questions. Yeah, and you be, just have to you find to be, a way that you feel comfortable doing it. You must be casually professional. Casually, you professional. must be you, because in the open house they can see you, so they automatically get a better vibe. On the phone, they're picturing some, you know. Fancy lady yes. in high heels yes. and fancy business You're suit so scary. with a fancy Mercedes. And they're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to tell you. I don't want to talk to you. Okay. And next up. Oh, this one will, oh, we've already kind of answered. Joanna asked, do you do anything right. special for your clients for the holiday? Holidays. I think you just have to go back to the database holiday. Yeah, there's episode. a whole episode we talk about everything from pies to Christmas cards to all the things to Starbucks, free coffee, all the things. Yeah. Okay. It's so much to go into. It's a lot. All right. Next, um, how do you balance work when things are tough at home? This one was actually framed in like an example of infertility. So yeah, how, when you're trying to work while you're dealing with something hard. You know, we have people that are in all sorts of situations. Yeah. We have people that are struggling with infertility. We have people that are going through a divorce. We mm -hmm. have people that have lost family members. Yeah. We have people going through financial crisis. Dealing with a newborn. Dealing with a newborn. I mean, the thing is that if this, if, if your job is your livelihood, it doesn't matter if it's real estate or if it's going into the office, mm -hmm. losing your job on top of what you have going on personally is not going to make things any better. No, You kind of have to just get to a place somewhat of gratitude and coping Yeah, and be thankful I for think that, your job. Yeah. Make sure you've got, yes, thankful. Yes. But also... Um, boundaries and self-care yes. episode is where you need to go. If you're dealing with something tough at home, don't just power through it and right. keep working. Like maybe it's time to take one day Days off. off. Yes. Maybe it's time to take a one week sabbatical. Like we're not saying quit or like if you're dealing with something ongoing that is difficult, yeah. just give yourself grace. We need time off in this business. Yeah. And this is a hard business to take time off right. in. Because you don't make your schedule. Right. You know, that fun, flexible schedule <laughs> yeah. that you're not making. But a few episodes I want to shout out on this one. Go. Boundaries and self-care is mm -hmm. episode number five. Oh, is it when life throws you a curveball? Um, that one's episode number 41. Love it. Embracing your season, episode oh, 20. Yeah. Where we just talk about sometimes you're going through a rough season. Yeah. And you also have to, you know, yep. work with that. Mm -hmm. Dealing with burnout, episode number 30. Because if you're... If you're working yourself to death mm -hmm. and then you're dealing with stressful things at home, you're headed straight for burnout. Right. Um, there's just so – and then taking the emotion out of real estate. Yeah. Episode number 48. Right. Just you can't carry – you have to do your best to not carry those things. To work. To work. Mm -hmm. Um, because it will only hurt your clients and your future clients. Like right. You'll lose your referrals. Yeah. And so I think grace is the most important thing here and making sure that you are resting appropriately mm -hmm. and that you're not yes. overextending yourself. Yes. Agree. 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 Okay. We're getting down to the end of the list. Emily in Alabama says, what's your biggest defense for scarcity mindset? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, at this podcast. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> the whole honestly, thing. Honestly, all whole, of it. Just the whole thing. I don't 
I don't feel the fear anymore, typically. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I just feel like at peace with it. Yeah. When you see your community as your community instead of your competition, it really, it's just all in how you look at it. Yeah. Um, And I will tell you a practical tip. I just go back and look at, I now have years of data that shows Katie is still going to sell it's real gonna estate. It's going to be okay. Like no matter what happens and who got the listing that you wanted and who's selling more than you, no matter what happens every year consistently for 15 years, I have sold real estate at a high level. Yeah. Like it's not. And that's all you, all that's all that matters yeah, for you. So if you're brand new, I can see where that might be frightening, but I'm going to tell you right now, just don't, don't. Yeah. Just focus on your goals. That's another one. Just focus on your goals. Focus on yourself. What are you trying to do? But she's right in that, you know, episode number two that we have is Mm -hmm. the culture of the real estate industry. And scarcity mindset is the culture. Yeah, it fuels all the problems. It's kind of what started the whole podcast. Yeah, Is that totally. we heard it so much. We wanted to be the beacon of light. Mm -hmm. And that's why we talk so much about community over competition. Right. Y'all, it's not easy. I still sometimes see people doing something and it makes me go, I should have done that or why I'm not doing that. I need to do more, more, more. But you Um, don't. But you don't. don't. You don't. And episode 36 is community over competition. Um, I think that that would be super helpful if if you're struggling to – I mean, it's okay to admit that, like, you don't have a community over competition mindset. I agree. It takes practice. No, and I think the best way to get out of that problem is don't make friends with realtors in your market. (laughs) As as soon as you start making friends with realtors in other markets that are not in any way possibly your competition, it will really change um, that community feel for you. And then maybe it'll bleed into some agents in your market. Yeah. But I think it takes that's practice. true. Yeah, it takes practice. Any other episodes on that? Um, Probably not. That's the main one for okay. sure. Got it. All right. We're on our last question. Okay. Okay. Jessica in Massachusetts okay. says, any tips for sold as is properties? <laughs> <laughs> I like we're just giggling. Ha ha ha. We don't like to sell an as is property. We like to make them pretty and stuff. That's, but that's our jam. It doesn't always work. No, not always. There are some where I tell like I always I'll still do professional photos. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell my photographer like, look, I really don't want don't jazz it up. Yeah, I, I want them to see. And I'm honest in the description. I'll That's say, what I think. Uh, yeah, I was going to go. Floors need to be Honesty. refinished. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be beautiful once refinished. Right. Or and this don't or that. just use the code words TLC. No. And, I mean, say home not current. You could put this in realtor remarks. Home not currently livable in c- this condition. Right. Going to require a new AC or yes. a new roof yes. or some major work. Not going to go FHA or RD. Like, no. <laughs> come on now. And honesty is key. Honesty so people know what to expect. And if even though you've put it in there and then you get showing requests, I think I would still reach out to the agents and be like, what kind of buyer do you have? I just I've want done to make this. sure you saw the realtor like, remarks. This house is not livable. Right. I've sold a house in as is condition in the last five years that was like in a nice neighborhood. My clients could have done the updates. They just didn't want to. It had a huge foundation, the worst foundation problem I've ever seen in a house that was currently being lived in. Oh my gosh. It just needed it was it needed work. It was a flip. It was a fixer upper to the mm-hmm. maximum degree. I didn't post any pictures of the inside. No. And I put notes that were like, 
not move and ready, like not livable, not, not, right. not, 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 enter not. at own risk. Yeah. Like all these things. And then when people would schedule, I would still call them or text them and be like, what kind of buyer do you have? Do they have available cash? This house is going to require $50,000 of sure of fixes at the least. Yeah. And that is the most important thing. And as is beyond pricing it appropriately. Yes. And pricing it appropriately does not mean if your house the house is worth 250 but it needs 50 and um you know work you price it at 200. No. I think it means you also have to price it at 185 yes, or something because that, of convenience. Yeah, and... that nobody wants to take on that headache. What if there's more to it when they start working on it or like now I'm putting all this extra cash in the house. Right. So um I think price is important. So important. Super important. Any other thoughts on the as-is issue? You could maybe have a pre-inspection just yeah. to provide people to say, look, these are the issues. If you have an issue with it, right, don't come. You oh, know? that's another good point on an as-is. I would want to say inspections for information only. Right. Like we already priced this thing. Yeah. We ha- we've provided an inspection report. You, you, you're on your own. Yeah. I like it. That's it. That's it. I have bad news. Okay. I don't have a toast today. Well, who? let's toast someone that asked a question. Yeah, let's do that. Do we want to... I can just read off all their names really fast. <laughs> someone let's, asked two questions. All right. Um, Kendall in Iowa. Asked two asked questions. Asked two questions. Yeah. So you're going to get a toast today, Kendall, um, for participating in we our love when people participate. social media <laughs> and giving us questions for these episodes because, y'all, sometimes we're just not sure what to talk about. Yeah, it's helpful. And this provided lots of good ideas for what to talk about. And um, I think that that's that's the deal. So we want to say cheers to Kendall for participating twice, twice. But thanks <laughs> to everyone that asked questions. I mean, we I have mean, so many, que- we have more that we didn't get to in the Excel sheet and oh, stuff. Oh, good. Yeah, we'll come back to them. Yeah, we'll do another FAQ episode. But thank always you fun. for everyone that yes. participated. Thank you, everyone. Cheers. cheers to you. Have an awesome week. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly podcast. Let us know who we should toast to for the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode, topic, or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. See you next week. Bye. This is the good life.